0: right today on 101.9 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've joined us today. We spent a lot of time on this show talking about the rancorous partisan divides that absolutely define our politics these days. And when we talk about that, I always want to be clear, really clear about what the problem is As I see it, there's nothing wrong, of course, with deep-seated political belief or ideology. There's nothing wrong with people fighting for the things they want or need from our politics or our government. But when that fighting reaches a point of destructive zero-sum strategy, well, then we kind of have a problem, don't we? According to the Pew Research Center, ideological overlap between Democrats and Republicans has shrunk dramatically. Which means that the people who sit kind of in the middle, maybe vote for the other party sometimes, those people are dwindling in number. And the parties themselves hold record-high negative views of each other. So that for more and more voters... Our parties seem to cater to the extreme wings of their base, and they don't seem to represent the people who just want to think about things, consider all the options, and then make a decision. In many ways, we've fallen into a pattern that sees each party just kind of waiting to gain enough power to wipe out whatever the other party did or wants to do. And then we do it all over again. It means we rarely make substantive policy progress. It means we don't always get done what needs to get done for the people who are supposed to be served by our government. I just think we can do better than that. But how? That's the magic question. How do we do better? And so that's why I'm always curious about and eager to talk with just about anybody who's suggesting an alternative, an actual way forward. One organization that's gaining traction right now believes they may have the ticket for what they believe is, quote, America's growing common sense majority. No Labels is an organization that's looking to provide a voice for the moderate voter. They say they're not a political party, but The group says it's working to ensure Americans have the choice to vote for a presidential ticket that features strong, effective, and honest leaders who will commit to working closely with both parties to find common sense solutions to America's biggest problems. Part of this plan may be launching an independent unity presidential ticket is what they're calling it. It would feature a Republican and a Democrat. But how feasible is this strategy? Historically, third-party candidates have failed to really be viable options for the presidency. They don't really have a lot of chance of winning. And, of course, there are some notorious examples of them playing the role of spoilers in a race rather than being viable options. A little later, we're going to talk with a professor who has spent a lot of time researching the history of third parties and third party candidates, how they perform, and the effects that they have on races. But first, I'm joined by a longtime Michigan political figure who is involved with the No Labels Organization, and he's here to talk about us, why he is supporting their efforts heading into 2024. Fred Upton represented Southwest Michigan in the U.S. House of Representatives for 26 years before deciding not to run for re-election in 2022. He was the fourth House Republican to say he would vote to impeach former President Donald Trump for inciting the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol and one of only 10 House Republicans to eventually do so. He joins us now to tell us more about why he's throwing his support behind no labels. Fred, welcome back to Detroit Today.
1: Well, Stephen, it has always been a pleasure to be with you, either in person or, like I am now, on the other side of the state, over in St. Joe. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and you can finally call me Fred since I'm not a sitting member of Congress, which is always against your right <laughs> alleged profession uh, <laughs> right. rules. Uh, yes. but anyway, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be with you, and it's great to have yes, you here. Yes, and I'm really I am involved with no labels and. You know, some, I'll just take this out of the air right now. Some people say that we're going to be a spoiler and we'll uh, reelect Trump. And I think that course, might be the my,
0: worry, yeah.
1: Yeah. My point of view is why would Fred Upton want to be involved in anything like that? Yes. One that voted to impeach him. The last thing I want is seeing him, him uh, reelected. So you know, let's, we'll take that off the table now. But, he, but your preface is right on we're all tired of this partisan crap and i can say that um back in dc uh trying to get stuff done i mean we thank goodness uh, we resolved the debt ceiling but man, we went right to the to the edge of the cliff on okay. that we have an another major issue coming up literally almost a, a two up two months away, and that is the, the end of the fiscal year and the inability of the House or Senate to pass a budget, let alone, at least at this point, a single appropriation bill, although the House is going to try with a couple this week uh, that could lead to a, a shutdown here. But that's a, a topic for another day. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, wherever I go, I mean... I was up north this weekend and, you know, I stopped in a couple of little towns to get some stuff. And, you know, here, of course, over in Berrien County where I live, it, wherever I go, people say, do we, especially folks that might recognize me or we start talking about politics, do we really want this ticket again of Biden and Trump? I mean, can't either party come up with a nominee that's not a majority of folks, with it, even within their own party, perhaps? That don't want a rematch of the of the the whole thing, and you know, and the labels has been around really for almost well, it's ten years. I've been involved with it for probably since 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a bipartisan bicameral, so that's House and Senate uh, group that, that we met. I was. A member, I was a vice, I was a Republican vice chair of the Problem Solvers Caucus, uh, 60 members, a good number from Michigan. I mean, Debbie Dingell, Dan Kildee, Alyssa Slotkin, Peter Meyer, myself. Uh, you know, I think that was our, our Michigan contingent. But it's, you know, we met literally every week, even during COVID, we had a, a Zoom call. And, you know, what is it that we can do to work together? Leave your party labels at the door. Uh, Pledge not to run. Paul Mitchell was a member of our group. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, don't don't work against someone within the, the room. You can't uh, campaign or, or lend your name, whatever. So you really did establish some trust. We passed some pretty big bills. We actually passed an immigration bill in the House and it didn't take it up. But we were the ones responsible for the infrastructure bill. And, uh, you know, we paid for it. I and mean, that was a, an initiative that we, we took on and had more than i think 70 votes in the senate and at the end of the day trump came out against it and really spooked a lot of folks uh republicans to, to vote no but we barely eked that one out but we did the chips bill and i gotta say i went with president biden to the detroit auto show last september and we saw all the right bahs in the auto industry and mary bear has been a wonderful friend she gave me a bear hug thanks for saving the industry <laughs> without chips i mean and we'd even with the president, uh, you know, we drove by parking lot after parking lot of vehicles that couldn't be sold because they didn't have the chip for their turn signal or whatever it was, appliances. I mean, all, all the same thing. We did that. And of course, we've been losing that market overseas. So this was to bring us back with, you know, it's going to be leveraged, I don't know, 10, 20 times uh, what, what we spent on it. Um, so we, we did a good number of things, and you no know, labels was part of that. And to end the story, and let's, let's let's move on to questions here on the democratic side joe lieberman and ben chavis mm-hmm. uh ben of course was a leader in the end with dr king uh, are the democratic co-chairs lieberman of course and the national ticket back with what al gore mm-hmm. and on the republican side it's former republican governors larry hogan and pat Mcgorry from north carolina larry being from uh, uh maryland had a big hand in in getting this all together to Talk about the infrastructure bill back in '21, I guess it was, and then we have a, a good number of folks that say, you know, can't we do better? I mean, can we? Can we have a ticket that wins? So we've we've proposed that uh, a couple of steps. One, we're trying to get on all 50 states' ballots uh, as a party. So mm-hmm. Ross Pro was successful 30 years ago, it, back in '92. It did so. It got almost 20 percent of the vote. Uh, We got on Arkansas's ballot last week. We got on Utah's ballot the week before. We're in play in about two dozen states now, and every state's different, you know, in terms of how you get a party on the the ballot. Uh, The second was uh, really come up with some principles, and it's available. People can get it on nolabels.com, but we have Common Sense Principles. It's about, I don't know, a 50-page book uh, with a, you know, I mean, it's it's issued, it it's pattern. I would say, a little bit like the contract with America back in the 90s. If if you take over, here's what is it that you're going to do? So we talk about immigration, we talk about energy. You know, it's easy to pick uh, in in terms of where we ought to be in terms of some some thoughtful pieces. And our idea would be to likely have a Republican presidential nominee and a Democrat vice presidential nominee. Almost what exactly, you know, I was on John McCain's national uh, leadership. I was one of his Mm -hmm. Mm co-chairs back in 08. He almost picked Joe Lieberman to be his vice president. Uh, Mm. And I I actually thought that would be a great idea. Mm. Uh, Joe traveled a lot with us as we traveled the country. I did a lot of stuff for McCain. And it would have been, you know, McCain certainly would have done better than he did with, with Sarah Palin there. Let's let's face it. Who knows what would have happened? But, you know, America's tired of this rancor um, between the two sides. And they're also they don't really want to see it's two thirds of Americans do not want a rematch between Trump and Biden. And you pick the reason and they're both. Right. You know, so,
0: um, so 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 here, here here's a question. For you, if I don't doubt anything that you're saying about people being fed up with what we're dealing with, and as I said in the open, you know, we we just kind of swing back and forth between one party doing you know as much as they can while they're in power, and then the other party coming in and trying to erase as much of it as they can. I think no question, everyone's done with that. But if that's true, why can't the majorities in both parties change those parties so that they don't behave that way. Why do we need an outside influence to make this different?
1: Well, a couple of things. If they did that, we'd go away. <laughs> we would <laughs> never we, reason to be doing this. I, right? I, got, I got other issues I want to work on, okay? They'll, they'll go back to being a legislative uh, help to, to the Congress uh, versus actually, you know, think about, uh, I don't want to say running a ticket, but promoting a, a ticket because we're a, a ways away from actually not only a selection process but who is it going to be uh is the republican and the democrat and let me just be quick to the chase it's not fred upton okay <laughs> i'm not going to be a dick cheney here um uh but if if either side you know we've said that if it's not trump biden we're not going to proceed hmm. um, but we're sort of an insurance policy in case it is and uh, you know, I, as I look at the tea leaves today, you know, I, I think the cake's baked. I mean, I look at Biden uh, and, you know, he was smart. And then he picked people like Gretchen Whitmer and Governor Pritzker and Governor Newsom in California to be his co-chairs. Uh, you know, Kennedy's not going to make a run here that's that's uh, going to take him out, nor should he. Mm. Uh But it's, you know, it's his, Uh, and he changed the the date. So South Carolina is one of the first states, and, you know, Jim Clyburn has, you know, saved him uh, Mm -hmm. four or five years ago uh, from South Carolina. On the Republican side, Trump is stronger than ever, Uh, and they changed a number of states, including ours. So it's almost winner-take-all in terms of the delegates. Um, You know, back in 2016, when there were 17 Republicans winning, Trump got a third of them. He's going to get pretty much all of them hmm. <laughs> uh, under the new rules. You know, I saw a report this weekend that he's identified 100,000 Trump supporters in the state of Iowa. Hmm. Guess what? They have a caucus, yeah. and they've been in touch with him already three, four times. Uh, Trump didn't fare so well back in 2016 there. He's going to do okay this time. Yeah. He's going to do okay in, in some of these states, and he's running away with it. So, So what about the
0: idea that, I mean, if you look at what's happened in the last several presidential elections, the real problem is presented on the Republican side, where Republicans have won. I think it is one popular uh, presidential election in the last thirty some years. I mean, nineteen eighty-eight is uh, is uh, is the last time uh, really we saw that that happen. Uh, George Bush, of course, did win. Uh, his second uh, uh, presidential election uh, by 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 a popular vote. Is this just Republicans trying to figure out how to how to get their party back into shape? The 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 Democrats don't seem to have the same don't seem to have the same problem.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the I mean, the rules are at the Electoral College. Uh, that's not going to change. It's mm-hmm. in the Constitution and. You got some states that are runaways, like California for the D's, and New York, and you know Ohio's been a runaway for the Republicans uh, mm-hmm. pretty much over the last couple of cycles. But you know, I go back to me. You know, I worked for Reagan <laughs> way back when, mm-hmm. wonderful president. And you really judge a presidency on the reelection. Remember, he got shot and everything else. But at the end of the day, for reelection, he won 49 states. Can you imagine a Republican? Even pick pick anybody. Right. <laughs> that could that could win 49 states i mean um you know he lost only mondales minnesota of course right. who was his opponent so uh and reagan's magic and i always consider myself a, a reagan republican i i wish he was alive today and, and being able to tell us what how we got off the track but he worked with the Democrats. Tip O'Neill was a friend. He was at the residence at the White House probably every you know couple times a month. Um, we had a Democratic Congress and a Republican, and you know Reagan got stuff done. He he knew that he had to have that center uh, to have good ideas to to pursue an agenda. And times were tough back then too. We had inflation at double digit coming yeah. off the the Carter days. We had the threat of Russia. Uh, with the Cold War, uh, the, the Berlin Wall. I mean, all those different, were very serious challenges. And Reagan was, you know, everybody loved him. Uh, and look where we are today. Yeah. We're really... Uh, it's quite a bit different
0: it, it is it is I, I want to take a couple of calls and and if you want to join the conversation 313-577-1019 sure. is the number here uh, give us a call you can ask uh, former congressman fred upton about the no labels uh, organization and what they plan to do to change the outcome or at least change the process for next year let's start with mike in chesterfield mike welcome to the show
2: hey stephen long time no see hey how are you doing good how are you Good. And How are you doing, Congressman?
1: Fred, um,
2: it's always Fred. Well <laughs> it's always Fred. Fred, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, two things I wanted to say. Um, one is I've uh, I've softened my views a little bit on um, third parties, in the sense, at least in presidential politics, just simply because of the difficulties in trying to navigate. More than two uh, members in a electoral uh, vote contest, especially since most of the states are winner take all, with the exception of Nebraska and Maine. Um, the other thing about it is that the, the fight happens mostly within primaries. So you take that the, you know would no labels have a primary contest as well mm-hmm. and not just simply, you know, um, political elite basically picking the candidates. On a bipartisan basis even if it is a better ticket than the major two parties but the other thing about it is the no labels have a focus on going for smaller election contests like that of governors senators congressmen and state legislator seats uh, because that's really where you can make a greater impact and then the other thing is if you are going for the um presidential contest what are you going to do to combat the Commission yeah. on Presidential Debates, yeah. preventing anybody else from, from being on the stage. debate stage?
0: Mike, Mike uh, I really appreciate you calling and, and asking those great questions, uh, and it's great to hear from you again. Uh, Fred, go ahead.
1: Yeah, a couple of things. So a lot of good questions, Mike. Thank you. Uh, we're actually planning a, a national convention in Dallas, April 14th and 15th, so book your room now. Uh <laughs> We're get, we intend to have a very transparent process. We haven't figured out what the process is going to be yet, but it's going to be a lot of citizen input. I uh, know we're not going to look at lower races, whether it be state rep or Congress. Uh, it's really just a presidential ticket, in essence. My guess is that we would have standing if, if we proceed, and we have until August of 24, so more than a year to actually pull back. So maybe we identify who the candidates will be let's pick them on December. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden uh, we realized that, you know, we don't want to go forward because uh, maybe it's not Trump and Biden. Perhaps they have their national conventions and I think it's July and August. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've said that if it's not Trump and Biden uh, versus Biden, if it's not that ticket, we're not moving forward. But, or if we think that it's, uh, um, if we're going to be a spoiler, we can, we can, Say no, we're not going to go forward as well. So it's sort of an insurance policy. But we're not looking at those lower races. Our our first target, right priority, right now is to really get on the states' ballots. Mm -hmm. Um, You got to do that, and every state is different. I mean, here in Michigan, it's different than it is in Indiana, in Maine. Uh, So you've got to go through those one at a time. And as you can imagine, both both the DNC, Democratic National Committee and the RNC, they don't like us. <laughs> they, well, they want the rules the way that it is, they they hey, absolutely they, uh, and, and and the
0: fear I think again is that that this creates more likelihood of I mean I think from each party's standpoint it creates more likelihood of the other winning, right? Uh, that that this will steal votes, quote unquote from one side or another and and i think democrats in particular are particularly you know <laughs> keen on preventing that from happening
1: yeah and our polling initially i mean that's like 2 months old now but shows that we really take equally from both sides mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. you know pick the reason i mean age whatever it is and uh um we we'll be, we'll be doing more but you know we really have a year <laughs> to figure out if, this is the right thing or not but if you don't do the work today you know like a boy scout you're not prepared
3: right, right. uh
1: but i think that pretty much oh you know, so the debate question the lower so um are we going to have a primary pers- no we're not we can't do that because a lot of states you have to pay for it i mean right. pay for the you know clerks you know that's pretty expensive so I, it'll be a convention that would ratify the ticket but we're uh I think because everybody's asking, who is it going to be, uh, we're, we're uh, likely going to actually pick, the, uh, figure out what the process is going to be earlier than what it might otherwise have been, yeah. because we are getting a lot of interest on mm-hmm. in this. I mean, uh, we did a, an event in New Hampshire last week. I went up for it in Manchester, and it was something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was uh, – we had four uh, – banquet rooms that were filled with people uh, that couldn't get into the big room. The big room was where Caitlin Collins had done the interview with President Mm -hmm. Trump uh, Mm -hmm. about a month or so ago. I mean, it's an incredible facility. Any person who's considered running for president has been to this St. A's College. I had forgotten that Newt Gingrich had even a run for Congress <laughs> back in twenty twelve, but right, right. but there he is, right. and there's so, uh, you know Jimmy Carter getting off the Delta plane. Fred,
0: I I don't want to, I don't mean to cut you off, but we gotta we gotta take a break. Cool. But uh, yep. I, I'm really glad uh, that you came by to explain this to us, and we will. I want to talk to you, I'm sure, in the coming months about how this is all going. I I think it's fascinating. We will still see how it all kind of affects the race. But, Fred, always great to have you here. Thanks. Uh,
1: Thanks for all your good work.
0: Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to keep talking about the idea of third parties and whether the two parties that uh, we have in presidential politics are so broken that we need to do something else. We're going to welcome another voice to the conversation. We'll also continue with you on the phones and on social. Dennis and Dearborn, Jadonna and Gross Point Woods. We'll get to you if you want to join them. 313-577-1019 is the number here. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.
3: For news that impacts your community,
4: music that moves your soul, and conversations that matter. W-D-E-T, Detroit's NPR station.
0: This is Detroit Today on 101.9 i I'm Stephen Henderson. And I'm really glad you've joined us. We're talking about the idea of third parties in presidential politics and whether we've reached a point that the two major parties are so unable to work together to get things done that maybe we need a third party to break things up just a little bit. I want to make a little confession before we get to our next guest. I started voting In 1992, when I was 21 years old and finally able to cast a ballot. But it wasn't until 2008, when Barack Obama was the Democratic candidate, that I actually cast a ballot for one of the major party candidates in presidential politics. In the four elections prior to that, I cast ballots for other candidates. And the reason was I never really felt represented, fully represented, by the candidates that the Democrats or the Republicans had put up. So I looked for someone else. Barack Obama really was the first person who made me feel like he understood me. He spoke for me. He represented me. And so I cast a ballot for him. I don't think I'm alone in feeling That way about presidential politics in this country. Lots of people feel lost in the parties that they either vote for or feel like they can't bring themselves to vote for. And they maybe make other choices. I think the most common choice that people end up making is they don't vote at all. But how do you get more people interested? Is it about creating a viable alternative? Have third parties, for instance, ever worked in America, a country that has had a two-party system since almost the very beginning? Could a third party win in our political system with its many moving parts and rules and traditions? That's where we continue the conversation today and to help us answer those questions and talk more about it. I'm joined by Bernard Tomas. He is a political science professor at Valdosta State University and author of the book, The Demise and Rebirth of American Third Parties. Uh, Professor Tomas, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, thank you for having me. So let's start with what I was just talking about, the fact that I didn't vote for a major presidential, a major party presidential candidate until 2008. I started voting in 1992. I think that's a pretty common sentiment, not that not that most people behave that way in the voting booth, but that many, many people feel that way about the two major parties. So I guess the question to you is, why shouldn't we think about a third party that might break up the dominance of the Democrats and the Republicans?
5: Well, well, let's take that that concept and this the, what you're saying about your your voting history, and and link it back to something that that Congressman Upton had said maybe maybe ten minutes or so ago, and he said that can't the major parties come up with more popular politicians than Biden and Trump to to run for president, and the answer is probably not. <laughs> and so, yeah, so he had spoken about, uh, very favorably about about President Reagan and about the high level of, of support that he received. Consider the fact that, that what we have over the last uh, 10, 20 years is a real shift in American politics. And one of the most important things that has come up is been partisan polarization. It's the opposition of, of different parties, but uh, people against uh, the basically people shifting away from each other. But more important concept or adding on to that is something called negative partisanship. And what it means is that what's going on right now is that most American voters are, it's not so much that they, support their own party, it's that they're very, very opposed to the other party. Mm -hmm. So there's lots and lots of people who call themselves independents, but really actually kind of aren't, they actually always support one or the other party, and are hypothetically very supporting of third parties. But in the end of the day, they keep going back to the major parties, and the drive isn't so much that, let's say, Democrats are big supporters of Biden, it's that they really, really hate the Republicans. Right. And the same would be true with the Republican Party. And so what's happened is, so you'll notice if you, we, you notice with, with Donald Trump when he was president, he had something around 40 percent support and it didn't move. And with Joe Biden, uh, 40-some percent support, and it hasn't moved. It doesn't matter what happens. This is very different than the Reagan era or, or with, uh, with Lyndon Johnson or even Richard Nixon, mm-hmm. who was extremely popular until he was thrown out of office.
0: Yeah.
5: Uh, his numbers would go up and down.
0: So, so, and so what, what you're saying really is that we have changed. We as a, a, a nation, as a people— have changed the way we think about it and that that's being reflected in the parties and the way that they interact. Is that right?
5: That's correct. I mean, there's a, there's a global change in politics that's going on everywhere, basically across the democratic world where, where you have this rising polarization. In our case, it has produced something called um, that voters are being calcified. In other words, they're really not moving away from each other. So what we can expect, it doesn't matter how good of a candidate no labels comes up with. What we can expect is that the vote is going to be very, very, very close in this coming election. It's probably going to be a few percentage points from each other. Now, again, it's it's always hard to uh, speculate. Things could change. But. Generally speaking, this is what we've been seeing since around 2000. Yeah. So the idea, the first thing we have to dissuade ourselves with is if we just had someone more popular, Joe Manchin, I'm not sure why he'd be more popular than, than Joe Biden, but let's take it anyway, that somehow this is going to change what's going on in American politics. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number here on the phone's call and tell us what you make of the two party system we have. And we're coming up on a presidential election. Uh, how satisfied are you with the trajectory of the race for the Democratic uh, nomination or the Republican nomination next year? It looks like at this point we will be faced with the same choices we had in 2020. Donald Trump. May very well be the Republican candidate. Joe Biden seems very likely to be the Democratic candidate. Is there some way we can do that differently? Is there some way we can inject some disruptor that would get us different choices for that? Is a third party one way? That might make things better. Again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. Before we get back to our listeners, uh, Professor Tomas, I, wa- I want to have you talk about third parties. Uh, the effect they have, and why they historically have not been able to succeed. Uh, and there are, of course, some some exceptions to that. Of course, the Republican Party was the third party at some point in, in history. It is now one of the two major parties. But But tell us about the effect that third parties tend to have and why they don't often gain that kind of traction.
5: Well, I guess it depends on how you define the word success because the third parties in America used to play a really substantial role and potentially could at some point, but not sadly. I mean, we would be, I think, better off with a multi-party system with maybe three, four major parties. But putting that aside, historically, third parties have, have not played that role. They've done a strategy that is often referred to as thing like a bee. And what they, the, the most effective ones, they would emerge often very rapidly, often almost as a surprise. And then what they would do is they would galvanize voters with some, some specific issues. They would attack one or the other major parties and not just at the presidential level, but often at, at all kinds of levels. And they would basically push the party off on its heel. They would not actually win a lot of seats. But what they would do is they would kind of crash the party. And then what would happen is the the major parties would then wind up responding to that uh, by reforming themselves, by realizing, okay, we're in trouble here. And so they would steal the issues that the, the third party is running on. They would adapt them themselves. And then in the process, like a bee, a bee dies. <laughs> the third party would disappear very quickly. Mm-hmm. But they would produce a big change. This was the big success of the Progressive Party in 1912, which had a major impact on American politics, but won practically nothing. Right,
0: right. Again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number. You can also go to Twitter, hashtag us, and we can include you in the conversation. Indivisible Michigan on Twitter says – too long, didn't read version. Uh, no, a vote for no labels Alex Trump uh, talking about our past guest, uh, Fred Upton, a former U.S. Uh, rep from Southwest Michigan who was involved with the no labels uh, organization. Uh, let's go back to the phones here and start with Jadana in Gross Point Woods. Jadana, welcome to the show.
4: Hi, thank you. Good morning, Stephen. Thank hey. you for having me. Sure, go ahead. Um, I appreciate you having this conversation. First of all, I wanted to say that uh, Mr. Upton scared me when he said Reagan was great and everybody loved him. I was like, sir, sir. Right.
0: We didn't. That's not. But but I will I will sort of just interject here. I think his point, the point he was trying to make was that Reagan was a popular president reelected by an overwhelming margin in 1984. I thought that was the thing. That he was saying that had the most uh, importance in that conversation. I, uh, you, you're right, though. I, okay. I, I, I winced too when he said he was a great president. I don't. I was I don't like, believe okay,
4: that. Yes. okay. <laughs> anyway, but but here's my thing: we need to have the courage to reform the part parties that we have and strengthen the, the deficiencies in the existing parties. Elections have consequences. Last time we had a third party injected into in, into the situation, we ended up with Trump. And that election, you know, after, after the election of Trump, we ended up with over a million Americans dead from COVID, and we're still feeling the ripple ripple effects of that, and all the, and the an insurrection and all the other things that come along with that. Mr. Upton is a multimillionaire; he's worth seventy eight million dollars. Lieberman is worth four million dollars. I don't think that they're, uh, you know, they 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 need a a project, and I, I'm not interested in their vanity projects. We need. To stick with the leaders that we have, President Biden is doing an excellent job. Is he perfect? No. There's no po- perfect politician. But going to this third party system is going to get Trump back in office, and so, I'm definitely not interested in that. So,
0: so, so, so John, that's a really interesting. That is a really interesting take on all of this. But, but let me let me play out this scenario for you. <clears throat> what if there were a, a, a credible and you know reasonable challenge to joe biden within the democratic party if you had your pick for instance of democrats to 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 represent the party on the presidential ticket next year Mm -hmm. would you pick joe biden or would you rather see a a, you know a contest that you know uh, results in somebody in somebody else being being the nominee
4: well, if I hit if I had my pick, I would pick Stacey Abrams. But we know that Americans <laughs> okay, are not. Okay,
0: that's going to. Vote I'm with you vote on that, Congress by the way. Reformers. I would I would cast that vote too, but, yeah. but but I guess what I'm getting at is is are you not frustrated with the fact that that it seems that Joe Biden will be the the the, the nominee and there isn't anything anyone can really do about it?
4: Am I frustrated, Stephen? I'm a black woman in America. I stay frustrated. Okay, <laughs> we we know that that people are not courageous enough to put people in, in, in position and seats of power who should be in those seats of power. People want change until a real change agent shows up. Barack Obama ran on a platform of change and people were like, wait a minute, dude's trying to change stuff. He ran on a platform of change, people. So you should have understood that he was going to change stuff. So yeah. we know that people aren't really prepared for a change. Yeah. So th- this is not this is not complex. This is how America has always been. People, they're not, the, the Democrats are not brave enough. What we, what we really need to do is plant a garden and help the Democrats grow some backbone. OK, because if the Democrats really had a backbone to do, they would be able to do a lot of the things that need to get done. We're still the Democrats are still trying to play nice with the Republican Party that no longer exists. Yeah, when yeah. President Biden said they're still good Republicans, I'm like, really, where they at? And
0: yes, I meant that. I know my English speakers <laughs> are not going to be a crap. But where J- are they? Jadonna no, always <laughs> it's always great It's always great when you call I really appreciate uh, the, okay. the thoughts Okay we need to take a quick break And when we come back we're going to continue this conversation With Professor Bernard Tomas Of Valdosta State University And with you the listeners We'll get to Bernadette and Old Redford Dennis in Dearborn Jean in Dearborn Heights If you want to join them 313-577-1019 is the number You can also go to Twitter and hashtag us We'll be right back with one with more Detroit today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've joined us. Our guest right now is Bernard Tomas. He is a professor of political science at Valdosta State University and the author of the book, The Demise and Rebirth of American Third Parties Poised for Political Revival. We are talking about uh, third parties and their historic role in presidential politics, whether they might play a different role. In the future, or even now, as more and more people seem to be frustrated with the Democratic and Republican parties and the way they make their choices uh, for president, we want to hear from you, of course, on the phones and on social. Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we can work you into
3: the conversation that way. Uh,
0: let's go to Dennis in Dearborn. Dennis, what's on your mind?
3: Hi, uh, hey. good morning. I have to evolve my question because this uh, program is evolving the, the, <laughs> the questions that you raised. So yeah. um, I'm going to start with a, a metaphor. And this is to say to no label. And Dr. Tomas brought this up a little bit. How do we get more education? So here we are. The, my metaphor is, We're trying to play a pinochle game, which is a very complicated game with a lot of cards, but we're dealing crazy eight hands. (laughs) So that's what's going on. And, you know, it's great that Reagan and Tip O'Neill could get along, but can we get back that I can get on the elevator in my own building with people? I live in a 200 uh, 200, uh, apartment building and get back to talking. We don't have common definitions. We don't have uh, our, our history is so... So anti-history, we just don't have the the, the commonness. So, hmm. does no labels make any effort to really educate? Whether they run a third party or not, do they make us more educated on our civics?
0: That's a great question, Dennis. And and you're right. I mean, we don't even have common terms. Uh, you know, when we try to talk about politics or culture or, or or history in this country right now and and it's frustrating and and it it adds to the difficulty of trying to to govern together trying to to, to solve problems uh, professor Tomas I, w- I wonder what your reaction is to what what Dennis is actually is asking and what role you think no labels can play in uh, in that dynamic
5: well i th- I think the caller is is right that this is this is the case right now it's highly polarized politics with there is very little law there there isn't even a really agreement on on some very basic things about politics i did want to actually go back to the first caller who had made uh the the point where she said that that the that the no labels candidacy would be most likely to simply help Donald Trump. And and here's an important point when talking about no labels to see who agrees with her and who the people who agree with her include moderate groups within Congress. We're talking about what's called the Problem Solvers Caucus, which is concerned about about no labels. The third way think tank, which wants to be pull American politics towards moderation, is also concerned. The Lincoln Project, which is a Republican group that's very opposed to to Donald Trump is also uh, sending up alarm bells about the no labels candidacy, the no labeled strategy. So, there there isn't this isn't simply some something that the Democratic Party is saying. It's actually the moderates themselves that are questioning this strategy. So you have to really wonder whether or not this is something to be going forward with, especially. Since, if you go back to what I was talking about earlier, this isn't really a traditional uh, third-party strategy. This is not the same as what the Greens are doing or the Libertarians are doing, where they're using their third-party challenges in order to uh, push particular issues. I mean, no labels have gone so far as to say, well, if the Republicans pick another candidate, then we'll quit. Mm -hmm. And I would have to wonder why. Well, if they're worried about polarization wouldn't they be even more worried about the Santis running? Why is it suddenly it's okay? Why is it, it if, if, if the Republican party remains very conservative right. and What's they're the concerned difference? about, my, right. Why, why is it that it's only an issue with Trump? And it's not a question that we have really heard a satisfactory answer to. And we've also, again, they, they're saying, well, we're not going to be spoilers. Well, That's a fantasy. If you are, the only way you can be effective as a third party is to be a spoiler. So why are you being
3: a spoiler is really the the question here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Again, uh, let's go back to the phones and go to Jean in Dearborn Heights. Jean, what's on your mind? Hi,
4: can you hear me?
0: I sure can. Go ahead.
4: Okay, great. Listen, my theory is, and I'm not a political scientist, I don't study this stuff. I know there's machinations all over the place, but everybody I know votes against the other person, not for the person they're casting their vote for. Mm -hmm. And I would love us to have an option on all ballots that say none of the above. (laughs) And that way we can get an honest representation in our elections of
0: what it is that the people want, not what they don't want. Yeah. So, Gene, that's an interesting idea. I, I guess I would argue, at least in part, that the number of people who don't even decide to cast a ballot is in many ways that vote, right? Saying that there's no one on the ballot who's motivating them enough to, to even vote in the first place. I, I, I do wonder, though, what, what effect it would have if you had that choice on the ballot. Would more people show up just to cast that particular vote, um, uh, Professor Tomas, I wonder what you make of that idea.
5: Well, I I'm not sure if that's the, the. I do know that it's used sometimes, but I have to consider that that the that voting is not just about who we wind up as as the the. Person who wins the office, but it's also the way that the public gains power and pressurizes uh, politicians. And when people would vote for none of the above, then then they're effectively pulling themselves out of of the process. There's there's a lot to be said for for having major multiple parties so people have more choices. That isn't hasn't been as effective in the U.S. as let's say the United Kingdom, but. But I would be concerned about having a system where where people are simply opting. But also, by the way, you could always opt out, which is even if you vote on other for other candidates, you just simply don't pull the pull the lever for that particular uh, office.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got about a minute left, uh, Professor Tomas. I want to I want to have you talk about the possibility of third parties and whether the strength that they might be able to draw from this kind of stalemate makes it more likely that we'll we'll see more of it in the future and that maybe it'll be more successful.
5: Well, third parties have been getting stronger over the last uh, basically 50 years. So there has absolutely been a rise of third parties overall. It is not, it's Third parties are not as strong today as they were 100 years ago, Mm -hmm. but they can play a role. But that role has to be, unfortunately, in the U.S. case, uh, at least at this point, of of a party that's pushing the major parties in, in different directions. This is when they have been the most successful in the United States. It would be great if we could have a system that's closer to what we have in let's the United Kingdom or even in Canada where, where smaller parties are, are much more powerful mm-hmm. and are actually winning seats. But right now, that, that's not really what we have in front of us. Yeah.
0: Okay, uh, Professor Bernard Tomas uh, Valdosta State University, also author of the book, The Demise and Rebirth of American Third Parties. It was really, really great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks for joining Thank you very much. That's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we take a look at how we have achieved economic success in the 20th century and the ways we can try and recreate that success moving forward. This is 1019 WDETFM, the Traits NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.